I think that uh, by now we all know that seed oils are a massive problem, uh, but uh, Susan Alexander and Dr. Chris Kenobi take it to a whole nother level in their work and uh, show exactly what that's doing and those correlations. Uh, I think there's a lot more to the story, but they do an incredible incredible job laying that out and I'm happy to visit with Suzanne and understand more especially on their recent trip to uh, discover more of an ancestral way of life. Welcome to the Sewing Prosperity Podcast with host Logan Duvall. This father of four is an Arkansas successful small business owner whose world was turned upside down with the cancer diagnosis of his then five-year-old son. As Napoleon Hill famously stated, Every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Come and join us on our journey to create a Blue Zone community with a focus on a holistic approach to anti-cancer, regenerative farming, and strengthening local economies. Suzanne, so, so excited to be visiting with you and diving into your work. I think that it is massively important, uh, you and, and Dr. Kenobi, uh, to uh, just kind of get in. How did you get involved in writing a, now, I mean, some some might call this a book, but I mean, that is, that uh, that's as big as the textbooks that I have seen. It's a thing. It is. How did you get into the point of studying ancestral uh, health and diets and seed oils to the point that y'all wrote a book? Well, b- both Chris and I, it, it, it was really a God. It was a God thing. God intervened. But I've been doing this since I was five. I've been studying ancestral diets since I was five. And so it's been, it's been a long, a long journey, but God had a plan for me and I've been on this trajectory for since I was five. And again, so it starts back to my childhood when my grandmother was living with three tribes in Africa. And so when she would come home to visit, I would sit at her feet and she would just tell the most beautiful, remarkable stories of these beautiful people. But I was born with a lot of diseases and I didn't know that I had was born with these and but I was sick all the time and we couldn't understand why. But my father also had a lot of similar symptoms. And so um, real quickly, I'll just say eventually when I turned 57, we found out I had celiac disease. Also, I have the MTHFR gene mutation which I didn't know for quite a while. And um, and so that is also causing problems, but there's just a lot of autoimmune problems. But so anyway, as a child, I would ask my grandmother, are those children sick? And she would say, no, they're just, they're, remar- the whole, they're all healthy. And I would say, well, what are they eating? And she would talk about, you know, they're eating brains and <laughs> they're eating things that they would catch, you know, and they, the, the tubers that they would find and the animals, but it was all, from earth, from the, from nature. And everything that we were consuming was processed. And my father was also a wildlife rehabilitator. And so we raised wild animals. And they were my joy. They were my, they were like my siblings. I had five, five brothers and sisters, but these were also my siblings as well. And they, they looked at me as if I was one of the litter, because when we would get many of them, it was before they opened their eyes. And so the first beings that they would see would be my father, of course, which they thought was their mother. And then we would be like the rest of their litter. And I, and I, I kind of marched to a different drummer and I still do. And so I just 
they were everything to me, and especially raccoons. I just loved the raccoons. And they taught me to climb trees. They taught me how to, we had, um, in our home, we had a brook down below. And at our camp, we had another brook. And whenever they would go down, I would watch them catch things. And they were just so remarkable how they would just, you know, get a crayfish or a frog, wherever it was, and, and how they would just eat into them. And I, I would marvel at this, you know, and, but then they could eat plants as well. But they were eating with their, their species specific diet. And I would, and finally, when I, I turned 10, that was my first hypothesis where I said to my father, I said, Dad, our animals are all eating from the earth. And grandma talks about the tribes and they're all eating from the earth and they're all healthy, but we're not. And we don't eat from the earth. And I said, do you think what we're eating is making us sick? And he said, I never thought about it because all my doctors would always tell me, this is just who you are. This is, you're going to suffer. You're just going to be this way. Just take this or take that. And I kept saying, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. We're designed perfectly and, and animals aren't sick in the wild and the tribes aren't sick, but we are. And so I kept thinking about this and thinking, finally, when I graduated from high school, I went off to, to become an opera singer at the time. And so I'm at this big university. I mean, I have this huge library at my disposal. And so that's when I really started delving in. And so I started taking food out and taking food out. And I became a vegan for a really long, long, long time. And it did have a powerful impact on me it, 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 for many, many years, I will say for a few decades. But B12 can live for quite a long time. We, we build up a storage and it can stay in our body for quite a while before we deplete it. And so I think that I had that going for me, but I also lived very ancestrally anyway. I, I just, I don't, I, I don't, we don't have a TV. We don't have a microwave. I live a very simple, very basic life. And I did the same thing with my daughters when they were born. And so, um, so eventually by the time I hit 50, my health started failing. I lost all the feeling in my feet. And I asked my doctor about this and she's like, but you're getting older, Suze. This is what happens. And I said, no, God doesn't make mistakes. And I said, I need you to run blood work on me. And she's like, well, what? So I gave her the whole list. And one of them was copper. And she goes, Suze, no one is deficient in copper. And here I was taking all my vegan supplements, which I don't, I don't even believe in it because I know it's not ancestral. It's not, God doesn't. If we're eating naturally and we're eating what God designed, we shouldn't have to be taking supplements if we're eating optimally. And so the test came back and I had bottomed out. There was hardly no copper. And she's like, oh my gosh. So all the doctors were all like, oh my gosh, we don't know what to do. What do you do with someone who has no, and they said, you need to be in the hospital. We need to put you on IV. I said, oh no, 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 I'm not going to your hospital. No. And so I, I, I started researching it and, um, I thought, oh my golly, if I'm low in copper, then I said, probably most vegans are. And here I was, I was taking a supplement with had copper in it, but I don't believe we can, most of the supplements we cannot absorb naturally. It's, it, our body doesn't recognize it. It's really just expensive urine. We're just <laughs> urinating it out, you know? And so um, that was in the back of my mind, but then I had my first colonoscopy. And that's, of course, I'm questioning the vegan diet at this point. And I'm working on my doctorate in health and nutrition at the same time. I'm thinking, <laughs> this is going against, I mean, they're all saying this is the perfect diet. Being a vegan is a perfect diet. So I had my first colonoscopy thinking it's going to be pristine. 
And the colonoscopy, I got, got done and the, the gastroenterologist comes in. And I'm like, how was it? And he's like, well, I can't tell you. And I said, what do you mean you can't tell me? Because your entire colon is embedded with nuts and seeds. And he said, whoever told you that humans should be eating nuts and seeds? And I said, what? I said, they're a superfood. I, I, how can this be? He says, no, no. He says, this is what happens. They get embedded. They, you can't digest them. They get stuck in, in all the grooves and all the, in the, stop eating nuts and seeds. So again, another big red flag. Okay, I can't feel my feet. My gastroenterologist is saying nuts and seeds are, we shouldn't be eating them. And so anyway, so fast forward, I finally, it hit me. I, I need to change. And I have, and then my blood work kept getting worse and worse. And I ended up not having, bonding out on my white blood cells, my red blood cells, and my platelets. And so I went to it. it my doctors all said, you're, you're dying. You're dying. You have to go see a hematology oncologist. You've got cancer. So I went to them and I had this whole group. They're baffled. They're running all these tests on me and everything's coming back. I'm dying. And I'm like, and they said, we think you have either a rare bone marrow cancer. And at the time I had put in breast implants. Girls, don't ever let anyone tell you that you're not beautiful because of the size of your chest and your breasts, because it's our size of our heart that matters. Don't, don't do this to please someone. So I'm like, wait, there could be a breast cancer from implants? And they said, yeah. So it's either one or the other. And they said, we think it's the bone marrow though, because the white blood cells are so, there's nothing. And they said, but it's an extremely painful test to go through. And they said, but we know you. If it comes back that you have cancer, are you going to be treated for it? I said, absolutely not. I said, I will heal myself naturally. And they said, so then why put you through it? Why don't we just agree to say that you have bone marrow cancer? And I said, well, how long would I have to live if I don't do anything? He said, about 15 years. I said, okay, so you guys can believe that, but I don't. <laughs> so I said, see you later. <laughs> so I did. I left. And I went and had the implants taken out. It is horrific. But anyway, it's a, that's a whole other story. So then I met Sally Norton. And she is all the oxalates because I, in all my research, I was, I'm a researcher. This is what I do. And um, she worked with me for eight months, slowly, because I had been vegan for 25, 30 years, to slowly get the oxalates out of my, bo my body and every, everywhere. And I started to think, is it possible that the oxalates had replaced my bone marrow? And she said, it's a very good possibility because there's a lot of research out there saying that oxalates can actually start to re replace things and bone marrow is one of them. And wow. so it took us eight months. And in the meantime, I was getting styes. I mean, the oxalates were coming out of my eyes. They were bone spurs. It was just a horrible, a horrible journey. But I had her holding my hand. And then I met Paul Saladino and I became one of his clients as well. And this is when he was full carnivore. So I did carnivore for a year, going from full vegan to carnivore. And it was powerful. It was powerful. The first few months, it was like, oh, of course, the first piece of meat was unbelievable. You know, we hadn't had it in so long. And I wasn't vegan because of the animal being the piece of, I don't, because I watched my animals taking life and animal eating animals. And I thought this is natural. We're supposed to, but it was just because I just, I was taking things out. And every time I took something out, I felt better. Okay. And so it took me by migraines. I had as a child, I had a hiatal hernia, the hiatal hernia healed. So many things was just, were just healing. I was just getting so much better, but not all. 
But anyway, so Paul and I worked together for, for quite about a year and my feet and my, my um, calves and my, oh, I just had the worst cramping. And I was in the, still working with Sally and doing all the supplements, but I just felt getting worse. And my blood work was coming back horrible. The only good thing was, is that I was actually starting to produce white blood cells, red blood cells and platelets. And that's when I knew I'm good. I'm good. I don't have cancer. And so they're, they're great. I'm still, my still white blood cells are still low, but they're better than they were. And, um, and that to me is because at the liver. And also if you're MTHFR and if you're low in copper and all those things, liver is king. Liver has got huge riboflavin. It's just got huge copper. It's wonderful. And I saw so eat raw liver a lot. Of, not, not every day, but I do about a half of an ounce every other day. And that's become my optimum. But anyway, so um, so carnivore was fabulous. It, it's a wonderful diet or a way to, to purge the system of toxins and all the things that we've had over our life. And then it allows us to heal and then to find what's right for our own individual DNA. And I really am concerned that the more I watch everyone on all the, the social media, is that I feel that we're making people become not anorexic, but orthorexics. And I don't know if you've ever heard that, that word. It's called orthorexia. And we're, we're creating a society now because social media is so accessible and it's just everywhere where people are becoming afraid of everything, even healthy food, because we don't know what's being what's healthy anymore because we're being told so many different all these different directions, you know, oh, no, don't eat this or no, don't eat that. And that's why I'm on this mission to live with all the different tribes to find out the truth. Because I don't know if even research, we, when we were just on our recent um, Pacific Islands expedition, and in here we've been researching forever. I've been researching for decades, and Chris has been researching for almost 20 years. And a lot of the things that even research said wasn't true. We had to see it for ourselves. <laughs> And so, <laughs> so that's what we ended up doing. We, um, we went to the Pacific Islands and, um, and we were learning amazing things. And it were times when I start, when I start really downloading a lot of the videos, I'm so overwhelmed because I can't believe I'm seeing, I can't believe I'm hearing and what I'm witnessing and the knowledge that they, that they have from their ancestors that passed down, they have never opened a book. They just intuitively knew, they learned through experimentation and all of these things to become some of the most healthy people in the world. And these people are not carnivore. I will be going to live with some carnivores coming up, but right now these people were not carnivores. So I'm going to do a variety of living. So my Maasai, I'm going to be living with Maasai coming up in about a couple of weeks. So I'll, I'll, I'll understand what they do. Do they really do the milk, blood and meat? Or are they, and, I, and I, I'm really questioning that because my research is telling me no, but we will see, we will see. And I'll be living with the Hadza and the, the Togas and hopefully the Chagas. So there's a whole variety of tribes I would like to be living to live with. And I'll be solo on this. And so I'll be reporting what I'm finding out there. But and I'll, I'll stop in case you want to chime in there, Logan. <laughs> I'm rambling, I'm rambling. <laughs> That is so cool. So you're getting to live what your grandma lived and yes. get the experience. That's that's going to be so special uh, yeah. to just to have that parallel experience. You you have said so much that kind of connects uh, things and topics that we've we've dove into. So 
I have actually three snips of empty HFR. Uh, so I know that my son uh, has, it, you know, partial. Um, that's that's a topic we've dove, in, dove into quite a bit. The copper with uh, Morley Robbins is a you know a previous oh. guest, and Morley's work is is really eye opening. Um, so, like, uh, it's there's so many different directions. I kind of I kind of want to go, Suzanne, but uh, let's start with the ancestral aspects real quick because uh dr bill schindler he was just recently on and he said the same thing you did with hey a lot of the things we've been told are not actually what's going on so like the big blue zone debate right of uh you know sardinia and and over over in greece and italy things that are not what what it's we have been told right they are very heavy meat based or dairy things that they've done there that is not what we have been told is the, the accurate thing so that ancestral way how how do you think that we can gauge what they're doing now versus what we've done uh ancestrally um and and how are you going to be able to tie that together okay so what we found when we went to the pacific islands and and i i was already kind of aware of this i've been researching it for so long and it was, my biggest fears came to fruition it was exactly what i saw so um our our processed food is infiltrating without a doubt it's infiltrating and it's causing havoc just like it's caused with us now we're seeing it in these people who were once so so pristine in what how they lived and how they ate um and it's so sad so we were trying to educate them while we were there and they were so appreciative they're like what you know really you know um so i'll start with the, the first tribe that we we spent a lot of time with was the Dani tribe and they were in west papua indonesia and um, we, they're very similar to what we, we studied in, um, in Papua New Guinea and, um, and the, the, the Tukacintas and they, who live mostly on sweet potatoes. And I thought, do they really? And they really do. They really do. Sweet potatoes, everything to them. And, they, and pig is, 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 pig is, is they revere the pig. And as a matter of fact, we were in Wamina and Wamb for Wamina is what the word for pig. And so they actually named their location after a pig. And so they have pigs for their pets. They love the pig, but they won't, they won't kill the pig. They'll kill someone else's pig. So they kind of swap them back and forth as long as it's not their own. It's like a, it's like a family member. But so they'll eat pig, pork, like maybe once a month. And so they do have meat in their diet, but not a lot. But it's just enough to keep them healthy. However, what I noticed is um, their their dentition. Oh, it was it was not not good. And but we knew that Weston Price had already told us that this was right. probably what we were going to find. But it was worse than I thought. Um, I mean, it was just the women hardly had hardly any teeth. Um, they're aging. The way that they're aging um, is not graceful compared to another tribe, which I'll talk about in a minute that we spent time with which really gave us a lot of aha moments when we saw that one tribe, because we compared their diets and their lifestyles, totally different. They smoked, unbel- it was constant. And here I was thinking, well, maybe they're rolling their own. <laughs> and they used to, because some of the older people in the tribe were showing us that they grow tobacco and they would roll that. So of course there'd be less, to- less toxins. But now 
there's these little every because they don't drive they walk everywhere and they don't wear shoes which i'm a big proponent of i'm so big into grounding so i was like oh i'm all into this you know <laughs> however so they don't they can't really they just walk everywhere but these little shacks i was calling them shacks because that's what they look like are like every couple of miles and they have like this screen that's in front of uh, the person who's selling okay so you can't go in you can't even look around the store you just go up and you tell them what you want and then they'll slide it underneath this little thing. They slide it underneath it, and then you can get your goods. And most of the time, they're getting their cigarettes from there. And it's the cigarettes that we basically sell with all the toxic chemicals in them. And they sell seed oils. And they sell candy. They sell all these things. But they do sell things that they do need, because a lot of them are starting to realize that they can have feminine hygiene products, where they actually can have pads and things when it's their time of the month and so forth. So that's beautiful. But the fact that they're selling them all these toxic, you know, processed foods and cigarettes and things, but they were smoking constantly. And what I found was interesting, Logan, was I asked them to, to show me where they're getting their salt from, because I've always wondered. And I mean, I know that, like, the, I, I'm part Native American, and I know that Native Americans would, would, would um, find salt springs, and they would just evaporate the salt, you know, by boiling. But they don't, because they live way up high in the mountains, and this salt spring is way up high in the mountain. So we had to climb this mountain and we got to the very top and they had this banana stalk that she carried with her, the, the, the female, the female Donnie person that was going to show us how to do this. And she takes a stick and she goes over and she's peeling all of the, the, the fibers off the outside of each of the layers. And then she goes into the salt springs and she's twisting and turning and literally like pickling, pickling the skin of this, this banana stalk. And she does it for about a half an hour. So I hop in and I'm helping her. And we're doing all this. And we wad it all up into a ball. And then we take it back. And so what they're going to do is they dry it. Because she had me taste it. And it's it's not extremely salty. But there is salt in it. It was not bad. And so they dry it. And then what they do is they'll break it off. And they can add it to their food. Or they can eat it if they feel they need it. But they don't use hardly any spices. The entire, every, every place we went for the seven islands we were on, there were... They did not use hardly any spices, which I was thought was really nifty because I don't really use spices either. And salt was not that, I mean, they would just have a little bit of the salt. And in the other tribes that didn't have a salt spring, they would just use the salt water from the ocean and they would cook with that. So it wasn't a big thing. So anyone who's really preaching, that, oh, we need salt, 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 a lot of salt, all the salt. For, for me, salt makes my skin dry out. I get puffy eyes, my fingers, my feet swell up. And I've always wondered what, what, what's the big thing with the salt? So for my body, my DNA, I'm much better off with hardly any salt in my diet. And I don't know why, but that's just me. So everyone's got to find what's right for them. Don't listen to just because I'm saying something is right for me, it's not going to be right. It may not be right for you. So um, I thought it was interesting there that um, in their skin of, and was just very, but is it from the smoking? Is it from, you know, the lack of meat that their skin is, is paper thin looking and is sagging compared to the other tribe I'll talk about soon. But anyway, so Logan, so it was interesting when they're climbing the mountain and they're smoking while they're climbing, there's no wheezing, there's no coughing, there's no sound of emphysema. It's remarkable. And we did talk about this in the book. We talked about, you know, is it, are they able to be in their, their home, their, their little huts that they live in, there's just constant fire going and there's not a hole for the smoke to go out. It just fills up with smoke. Plus they're smoking at the same time. So I'm sitting in this hut with them and I'm coughing and coughing. I can't breathe. And they're not coughing at all. I'm just like, oh, I'm just like, 
oh my golly, it took me two days to get over. I thought, you know, here I'm an opera singer. I'm thinking, mm, I'm burning up, it's burning up my vocal cords, <laughs> my lungs. For two days, I was coughing and I couldn't breathe very well. But, but they're absolutely nothing phases them. So it's remarkable. Again, that's a piece of the puzzle I still have to be working on. And is again, is it because of their lifestyle? Is it because of what they're eating? They're consuming, you know, the sweet potato is so loaded with minerals, you know, and they've got bananas. I mean, they've got pristine fruit everywhere you go. It's free, free food everywhere you go. If you're not, if you're hungry, you can just pick anywhere. And there's no, there's no pesticides. There's no chemicals, no fertilizers. Everything is as nature designed it to be. It's truly remarkable. There's not the Wi-Fi. There's not the EMS everywhere. You know, I slept, I'm not a good sleeper. And I actually was sleeping for five hours in a row and dreaming for the first time in 30 years. And so I'm trying to think, is it because I was eating this unbelievably nutrient dense food that we don't have here? Or is it because there's the EMFs weren't bothering me because I'm extremely hypersensitive to electromagnetic fields? Or was it both of them? I don't know, but it was truly remarkable. And we were, of course, we were out in the sun all the time. I wasn't working inside. And I try a lot to be outside because I'm, I'm a nature girl. But so there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. But anyway, so now I'll go to when we went to Vanuatu. Vanuatu is another island. And for, for all the islands, this was the pristine health where we saw. So we spent time with a, a family tribe. And it was so like a clan, about 27 people. And they're all related. All, so they just live together. They were remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Just beautiful, beautiful skin. The older people were just, they weren't frail and just so tiny. They were just fit as can be. And um, their teeth were beautiful and they didn't, they weren't smoking, but they eat a lot of fish, a lot of fish, fish and chicken. They said, but fish was probably their, their, their prized piece because they lived on the water. The Dani don't live, they live high on the mountains. So there's no water there to fish. They don't have that. So they don't have the access to it. Um, so there, therefore I just thought, okay, it's important. We have to have a, a certain amount of animal products to be, I think at our optimum. And I found that with my own, my own body going from veganism where my skin was becoming very paper thin as I was aging. And then I added in carnivore for a year and then I backed off and I'm mostly still mostly meat. Most of my calories are from meat. And, and organs and things like that. But I have a little bit of, of the, what I think for my body work the best are giving me my minerals that I need. So I feel like I'm fine. I've tweaked it and found my, my optimum diet for me. And I needed those minerals. I won't take supplements. I needed it from food, which is the least toxic fruits is what I'm doing. And, and seasonally, I eat seasonally. So right now I, could, I went and picked some organic apples while they were in season. So I've got those for a couple of months. So that's my, my stash, <laughs> my, my apples. <laughs> But anyway, um, and so this this tribe in Vanuatu, oh, they were just magnificent and beautiful. And the man that we spent the most time with, he walked, again, they're barefoot. He walked on hot coals, hot coals of stone. And they were, I mean, they poured water so we could see how hot it was. It was and he's walking on them barefoot, didn't bother him a bit. I'm thinking, how can this be? But he looks, and I asked how old he was. He says, well, I'm not sure. We don't keep records. He goes, but maybe between 50 and 60. He said, I'm not really sure. And he was just beautiful. And then I asked him, how do you brush your teeth? 
he went and got this coconut. <laughs> and he takes his mouth and thinking it would just make my teeth bleed. And he bites into this thing and rips it apart. I mean, this is the hard shell of it and rips it apart. And, and he takes the skin of it and he's scrubbing it all into his mouth. I'm thinking, my gosh, we'd be bleeding to death. That's how it, it was like, wow, rough. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it just makes wow. you question like they're just this is what humans are supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to handle. We shouldn't be so fragile. We shouldn't have to. It was remarkable. But so anyway, I'll stop throwing some more questions. <laughs> but that's so that's what we saw with with people who, who ate almost a veganism diet compared to people who were like 50, 50, 50. They're very balanced, very balanced. But they also they weren't they were eating some what we would consider those of us who are in the know, very high oxalate foods. Again, sweet potatoes, very high oxalate. Taro, very high oxalate. Cassava, very, and that's their prime. If they're gonna eat something, that's what they, they, they love that. But we also noticed they do not, and all our research always says they use coconut oil because they have coconuts everywhere. Not one of them uses coconut oil. And I'm like, well, what, what do you use? And they said, coconut milk or coconut cream. And we make, we just get it ourselves. And I said, well, do you use any kind of coconut oil? And they said, yeah, on our hair and our skin. And that's as far as we'll go. So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. That's definitely not what we have been led to uh, believe with the great, the new health crazes of MCT yeah. oil and, and yeah. coconut oil. I'm, you know, as you go through that, it kind of reminds me of what, uh, you know, Jack Cruz has said on sunlight and melanin and, and just uh, frequencies and water and, and stuff. And so I feel like, I feel like there's definitely a component there that that kind of uh, maybe not necessarily trumps food, but is equally, if not more, more important. So that's that's really interesting that you you have, you know, experienced that the sleep difference, you know, being, you know, latitudinally, you're, you're at a different area. Right. right. Um, yeah. Trying to trying to process all that. I was I wasn't expecting you to say those things. So, uh, I love it. I love that. Let's go. Let's go to kind of what y'all are really, really known for uh, with you know the, the book and and things is the vegetable oils. And so, like before we got on here, we we're talking a little bit about China. And uh, for me, the first in introduction to health and cancer and food and that connection was was the China study. And so when I read that, you know, it scared me. I thought meat caused cancer. Meat did all mm -hmm. these terrible things, and that got to be a plant based diet, and on and on and on. But in here, in your book you have laid out almost a complete parallel to disease and vegetable oils in China. And it just so happens to correlate with the same time frame that was covered in the China study that never gets talked about. No. Can you go into that? Well, the fact, and I, I, Chris, we talk about this a lot. The fact that in China, they have the lowest sugar consumption of, of like any, any culture. It's just so low. And, and then when you look at, and carbs, of course, they, they do, they eat carbs, you know, that's what they do. And so it's high, but sugar is low. Carbs are fairly high. If you look at the charts in our book and you see the trajectory of when they started incorporating seed oils, it's the exact same. They're parallel with all their diseases that come in, cancer, I mean, heart, heart disease, all of those things go right along with the higher the seed oils, the higher the, the number of people are coming down with disease. And we can't blame it on sugar. 
because their sugar level basically is staying the same. They really have never been sugar cons consumers. And, it, and so we thought that was one of the most profound things to note because it's, everyone's always sugar. It's got to be the, it's the sugar, sugar, sugar. And yes, seed oils are always coupled with sugar because that's processed foods. You know, sugar, seed oils, um, you know, all of these, you know, refined flours and all these, they're all in processed foods. So everyone's always saying, well, they are, we'll say it's both the sugar and the vegetable oils. But when you look at China, there is the sugar piece isn't there. And that to me was just so powerful. And it's the same thing in, in, with J the Japanese. I mean, when you look at their culture as well, but the China with that piece with the sugar was remarkable for us. And did it, did it impact you the same way? Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those like the graph kind of said it uh, all uh, to me. And but I, I really was fascinated with the time frame of when vegetable oils, I believe uh, just it was about 73 when seed oils began to really take off in China. Yes. Uh, and then it just progressively got more and got worse with chronic disease. But that is the same time frame that the China study uh, happened, you know, 70s, 80s, uh, 90s. Yes. So when, when you're looking at that, it seems so blatantly obvious to me now the correlation of seed oils is way more, you know, there than it is with meat or anything else. And you know, I think, you know, the casein protein connection is where they were really trying to to peg it on there. But the vegetable oil seems to just fit way, way better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, you, you could put meat and any, anything else in there, but nothing is going to show like when you see it's the seed oils. It's what else could it be? Because it was and we looked at all the different the different avenues of what, what else could it be, but nothing tied in like the seed oils. I mean, and in and, and these cultures, and eventually I will go to live with these people as well, because I have to find the truth. I have to, it's just me. It. I, because I don't think we, we see it all until we're there. And even some people who go there, um, everyone's always got, there's always an agenda or there's a bias. And, <laughs> and I don't have anyone, I don't have, I pay for everything myself. This comes out of my own pocket. No one's paying for anything that I do. It's all just based on me. I wanna know the truth. You know, and um, and so when I go to these places, no one's paying for anything for me. It's me, me and God, you know, and so I'm going with an open mind to find out is it exactly what I read in research or was there some bias? Did someone was someone paying for this study and that had to kind of tweak for that, you know, and so this is just me and God. He's holding my hand and we're going to go and we're just going to find out. So right now I'm talking with my guide who's going to be my translator when I get to Africa. And it, the picture is not looking good. It's not looking good right now, Logan, because he's saying that our, it's the same thing we saw in the islands of the Pacific is that our food is infiltrating and even in these remote tribes. So um, I said, can you find me some really older, older people who are not willing to bend? And I said, I want to spend a lot of time with them. And then yeah. I will also be able to spend time with people who are changing their diet and I can compare their health and things like that. But I just need to live with people who have not changed their thinking yet, that they're still eating ancestrally. Um, but it's going to be hard to find them now because it's just, it's infiltrating everywhere. That's really sad uh, that that's becoming more difficult to do. So what what are seed oils doing to us? What what are they doing to us uh, as as we consume them? 
Okay, so for anyone who's listening, and this might, if seed oils is new, okay, so seed oils, we call, are, are, there's a, a component called linoleic acid. Now, the LA, we call it LA. So if I'm ever saying LA, it's linoleic acid, okay? And that's the abbreviation for linoleic acid. And it's an essential fat of the omega-6 variety. So you've got the omega-6s and the omega-3s, okay? And it's abundant, it's huge in vegetable oils. So in fact, the LA accounts for about 2% of the total fats in ancestrally raised animal sources. Whereas most vegetable oil tend to range between 10% to even 70% LA. And so consumption of these high 6LA containing vegetable oils on a regular basis can induce the accumulation of omega-6 LA within your body fat and your cellular membranes. So if we're going to take in a lot, it's going to start going into all of our cells, our mitochondria is going to be everywhere. So of course we're thinking, well, what's the big deal? What's it matter? So the omega-6 fat, linoleic acid LA, especially after accumulating into the body tissues, drives what Chris and I like to call the psychological, physiological environment. Okay. It's, it's pro-oxidative, pro-inflammatory. Um, it's toxic and we say it's extremely nutrient deficient. There's nothing of value you're getting from these oils, nothing. You know, they, they say, the gurus are, are the people who, who have uh, in the health world say, oh, it's heart healthy, you know? No, it's not. And this sets the stage for an undesirable, of course, weight gain, metabolic chaos and numerous chronic diseases all over the place, okay? So in about 1865, I'm gonna go back in history a little bit here, okay, if you don't mind. So when vegetable oils, they didn't exist. They just didn't exist, okay? And so in the United States, think about it, there wasn't any vegetable oils around 1865. Um, and so omega-6 LA, linoleic acid, accounted for about only one one hundredth of the average American diet. And by 2008, okay? So by, by 2008, the LA accounted for extraordinary, now it's up to one, one eighth of the diet. This is in 2008. So it went from one one hundredth to one eighth. I wish we had the graphs to show. <laughs> and since 2008, vegetable oil consumption has continued to rise. Okay. And it represents the single greatest change. This is what we believe in our research. We believe that vegetable oil represents the single greatest change to the diet of mankind in all of history. This is the biggest change that's ever happened. So you can think about sugar and all this stuff, but it's, it's uh, in our research, it, the, in the graphs are profound in our book. So if we look back again to the 1900s, go right back to 1900, 99% of the added fats in the human diet were animal fats. And that's what I'm now using, just mostly animal fats. So mostly lard, butter, beef, suet. I like the suet. Suet's my favorite. Tallow, which we can call tallow, but, but I like in its raw state of tail, of, of suet. By 2005, Okay, so we went from 99% was animal fat in 1900. By 2005, 86% of our added fats are vegetable oils. 86%. And with that, then we started getting a massive consumption of omega-6 in our body. And so think what that's doing. So now we've got these chronic diseases everywhere, okay? And they're completely, they were unknown. We, when, when you look at all of our information, there were hardly no diseases in the late 1800s to early 1900s, it was just nothing, you know? And then all of a sudden, when you think about when Crisco oil and all these things, you look at the trajectory again, just like China, except we were earlier because it infiltrated here earlier than what there did in China. We have nothing but disease that didn't exist. My mother is blind with macular degeneration. It didn't exist. There was only a very few, few, few people that were even documented 
in the early 1900s. And now millions and millions and millions of people are losing their eyesight for no reason. Do, do we think that this has uh, more to do with the fact that it's changing the cell structure of whether it mitochondria or the cell by replacing the saturated fats and, and being made up those Legos, so to speak, the building blocks are not able to function properly uh, because of the fat makeup. I, I think it's possible. And again, I don't even know if we really know the true mechanism that's happening, but I just think of is this, it's like a bulldozer just going in and it's just infiltrating and just taking over and replacing very similar to me. I always envision it kind of similar. I feel like what oxalates were doing to my body. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just replacing things and it's taking over and it's just, it's, it's almost like clogging. Think of everything just being clogged up with, with these, these fats, these sticky fats and all these things. And it's just literally shutting our bodies down. But when it gets into the adipose, of tissues. And we would love to, that's one of our goals is to be able to travel to the tribes and to be able to take samples of their adipose compared to those who have left the tribes and are now eating and consuming our diet and then compare yeah. the two. Can you imagine what we would come up with? It's just like, would be so profound. But I, I believe that there's just, it's just this, this catastrophe, this metabolic destructor that's just coming in there. And that's what Chris talks about as well is that, that there's not even a way to describe because we don't know. We haven't gone in to do true testing. We don't have the finances to do the testing. But can, can you imagine if we could to be able to have the ability to afford the testing, to be able to see what truly is happening to those of us that are consuming these massive diets loaded with processed food, and especially the seed oils. And that when you take them out, within three to four years, you've purged them all, and then what happens to your body? I mean, that what a profound study. What a profound study that would be because I truly, I'm, I've never been an, an oil person. So I'm kind of, except for probably when I was a child, we were using Crisco. But as soon as I left my family and went to college, I had control over what I put in my mouth and there was no more processed food. So most of my life has been without processed food. And so I'm probably one of the few Americans that can actually say that because I just knew ahead of time, I, I, I understood my body and I understood ancestral eating and, and animal eating. And so I wanted to be that. So I think um, even though I suffer and suffered with health, mine was based on DNA, DNA issues, you know, and plus starting out eating processed food. But once I got rid of it, there's still health issues, but that's because I'm celiac and that's because MTHFR and I had to figure those out. And now that I have, I've tweaked them, and now I know what my pristine diet is. And we have to do the same thing, Logan. We all do, just like you're doing, and how you've healed your son, and all the things that you've done. It's miraculous. It's miraculous. It's uh, it's it's complicated though, and I think that that's why the the work and the experience is so important to to share with the, those journeys, though, because there are so many components, and we don't understand so much of what we don't even understand. Um, and so one thing that I'm, I'm really curious on your take in the book, y'all talk about some of the work that Dr. Uh, Russell Ryder and, and Scott Zimmerman had done on uh, melatonin and sunlight. Uh, the, what, where, where can we make those connections to understand with, in regards to seed oil? How does that play into any of this? So sunlight it's again, this is the ancestral piece. And that's why I'm wondering if when we were in the Pacific islands and I was feeling so unbelievable, 
you know, the sun has immense power that we that we've been led misled again by those that be oh you know don't get in the sun it's not healthy put sunglasses on you've got to you know become this just you know like the person in the bubble just be so it's one of the worst things we can do we need to be in the sun yes i understand it can do damage and i know that the more i'm in the sun the more wrinkles i'm getting you know i mean it definitely is impacting my skin but yeah i'm feeling better and i think that girls and men, if we're all so vain and we're also concerned about this, this, you know, the, the wrinkles and things that we're getting, it's part of aging. We're not supposed to look 20 years old when we're 60. You know, it, it, there's something wrong with that, you know? And, um, and I remember looking at my grandmother when she came back from Africa and she's in that intense sun for three years, you know, and her skin was taking on the leather look, you know? And um, I mean, she's, she was extremely Native American because she's, farther down closer to where her her mother was the native american but she had that real native american looking skin if you know what i'm talking about it was just very the lines everywhere but she looked so beautiful she just looked real nothing phony and i just i just marveled at how beautiful she was and um she was like the wonder woman but like back to the sun and so i think that with the sun and you and I, and I do believe that when you're taking in seed oils, I think that that's going to also impede how your skin is affected by the sun. And, and a lot of people talk about as soon as I remove the seed oils, I, I wasn't burning anymore. You know, it was like all of a sudden my skin could handle it. And so this, I think that the seed oils, it's again, it's just so destructive in every every facet. There's nothing beneficial from them. And so I think that it does, it impacts how our, our every cell is going to respond and it no longer is responding as a human would respond. And so, so you're going, if you're, if you're a big processed food eater, you're going to struggle. You're, and possibly does that promote skin cancer? Is that promoting all kinds of cancers in our body? You know, and, and, our, and our research is showing that. But I'm thinking about for skin wise and the sun wise, when you've got all these oils, is that affecting how your skin naturally would be protecting you from the sun? Because you're no longer, it's, it's no longer operating as God designed us to operate. And so I know I've never, I don't consume oils. And so I don't have a problem burning. I don't, I mean, I, I don't wear sunscreen. I'm, I'm out in all these, these tropic places and I don't wear a hat. I don't wear sunglasses and I don't burn. I get a little red a little bit, but then as soon as I go inside, all of a sudden it's gone. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it was a glow, <laughs> a little sunlight glow, but I don't burn, you know? And, um, and it's rem remarkable that I don't. Um, yes, again, it ages our skin, but we're supposed to age and I'm not gonna stop being in the sun because I just know it's so valuable. And I do believe also for macular degeneration, for those people who have, are either suffering with it or you're, you have relatives, for me, and for my clients I've seen that have this, they found that by taking their sunglasses off and going out into the sun and allowing some, not a lot, but some exposure, that they're finding healing in their eyes. Yes, I know they're also they're also removing the processed foods. Is it both of them helping to heal it? I don't know, but some of them say that they have found profound relief when they go out into the sun and they just feel so I don't know. I'm just putting these out there. Is it a possibility? Again, we need to do studies. We need to do research on this and it all costs money. And so again, that's what our foundations are for. If people want to donate and help us to get these studies underway, 
it's going to cost money. And the lab work is profound. The lab work is so expensive. But um, we're doing the best to find the labs who can give us the best deal. <laughs> so that would be really swell. But anyway, so yeah, I do believe, I love how you think, Logan. I mean, sun and it's the circadian rhythm. When you, when you look at the tribes, they rise with the sun. And as soon as it's getting dark, they're sitting around their fire. It's just that firelight. Okay, and it doesn't have all of these bright lights and all the blues and things. It has more of the reds and the green tones that are just more soothing. It helps us to go into a more sound sleep. But when we're on our, our screens all the time and on our phones, it's it's just your body's like, oh, it's daylight. It must be I'm still supposed to be awake. And so you aren't producing the melatonin that you need. And it's really, it just makes such sense. It makes such sense that we're just not living as humans. We're living in a cage and we need to get outside the cage, open the door and go out. Yeah. I agree. I think that's why I'm really drawn to the, the ancestral aspects of, uh, of the messages. Um, and then, man, it's just the more, the more, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Doctor Doctor Jack Cruz has, you know, been extremely controversial, right? Like, and and he can he can be abrasive in just his approach, but the the message he's saying it dovetails and weaves into like what you have said and uh, experienced in ways that's kind of it's kind of making me double take on some of it uh, because when you started talking about the uh, not burning the sun, uh, I have seen two other groups that have been relaying that same message. And that's the ones using the high dose melatonin. Uh, so in the alternative cancer space, it's extremely common. Uh, the copper protocols are some out there and there is some sort of a correlation between the sun and burning with, with that. Okay. And then if we have a seed oil toxicity, uh, and there is a similar approach there. What, I wonder what is actually going on in the skin uh, based off of melanin, melatonin, copper, uh, seed oils, just that structure. I'm, I'm really curious as to if it's not the sun, it's the skin that's reacting to something that we should have anyways. Yes, absolutely. And so, again, if we always think to ourselves, and this is what I've done since I was five, since I started studying with my father, when he would say, bring home books on the animals, and I would sit in his lap, and we would okay, what is this animal should be eating? What's their habitat? And that's how we studied. It's the same thing. Think about your body. You know, did if, if we were originally living outside in nature most of the time, we're, should we be burning? Would that be natural that the human body would be out there burning? There was no sunscreen back then. There was no cancers. There was no skin cancer. Melatonin didn't exist. So there's something that we're doing wrong. What are we doing? And we have to look at every, every piece of the puzzle. And I really believe it's what we're ingesting because we are what we eat, you know? And, um, and I feel that uh, again, and see, I, I'm not, again, I'm not a believer in, in any kind of supplement anymore because I, it, 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 it gave me false hope. I was believing that, oh, I'm taking these supplements. I'm vegan. So therefore I'm okay. And I'm not, I'm, I'm killing myself, you know? And so now I can't feel my feet because it was so many years without copper that they don't think it can restore. Although I do believe, I think I can. I really do believe I can heal my feet. But anyway, with that said, I think that I think that the best way to live is through eating ancestrally. And again, there's not just one way. So if someone says, oh, just being a vegan or just being a carnivore or just, you find what's right for you. You know, because I know in the Maasai, they say that they eat milk, 
blood and meat, and that's their diet. So that's basically carnivore. All right. And so but then you look at the uh, Tucasintas, basically near where we were just in the Pacific Islands, who just mostly live on sweet potatoes. They're not burning. And yes, their skin, you know, they're, they're darker skinned. Yes. But they can still burn. But they, you never talk, hear about, you know, the skin cancers with them. They're eating from the earth. They're not, they are consuming the processed foods. And so we've got to stop and ask ourselves. Okay. But they're also, as you're talking about, they're getting so much generation of the melatonin is producing naturally. They're getting what God designed us to get, you know, in, in a fashion we're supposed to get. So if you're taking a melatonin tablet or drops, whatever you're getting, how do you know that that's accurate, the accurate amount? What if you're overdoing it? It's a hormone, just like vitamin D is a hormone. I won't take an extra hormone because God gave me exactly the hormones he wants me to have. And I want them to function exactly how he wants me to have them. And I think when you're playing with hormones, I think that's dangerous. I think it's really, really dangerous. And so do it naturally. You get up with the sun, you go outside, your eyes are seeing it, you're watching it as it's coming up, your body's saying, oh, okay, I need to start, you know, my we we um what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm I want to be able to jumpstart my my circadian rhythm the way in a natural way, which is when the sun and at nighttime go out for a stroll as the sun is setting, and then your eyes are looking into that, and your body's starting to say okay, and now I'm starting to regulate, and now I know what I need to do. Let the body do what it's designed to do. It's perfect. It doesn't make mistakes. Instead of giving all these these chemicals and things that man is creating, do it naturally, and then you'll be so optimum. You'll be so optimum. You're not you're not playing with hormones. You're not getting things all out of whack. You're doing it naturally, just like we should with food. And that's my take on that. Uh, I, I I love it. So how do we uh, support and follow along with what y'all are doing, and uh, what what can we do to to help? Oh, Logan, thank you again. I think guys just. Listen to your body. Your body will tell you everything you need to know. If you've got an ache or a pain, there's a reason why. I mean, unless you, you know, slam your hand into something that that's the reason why. But if you're just waking up and you're stiff and your joints and so forth. For me, when I turned 50, my hands, my feet, or the, the, the arthritis was getting so awful. And that's why I removed all grains. Now, you realize, you know, celiac. And within 40 hours, the pain was gone. So it's so simple. Tweak. Think about what you're eating. And it could be such a simple thing. It could be, you know, if it's... It, it, it could be grains. It could be anything. I mean, it could be a, a potato. If you're allergic, you know, they've got solanine. It could be a nightshade, something in that you're, you're allergic to. Um, plants, I don't eat a lot of anymore because they cause such havoc in my body. But I ancestrally, I'm researching, I'm living with, and I'm seeing what worked for them. And I try something. And if in a couple of days I'm feeling, mm, this isn't right for me, I remove it. You know, and so just listen. Don't don't always listen to what you're you're hearing, even with me. <laughs> listen to your body; it knows everything. And if you want to be able to reach out to us, we have on, on social media. We have um, Ancestral Health Foundation and Cure AMD. They have two websites, and they're on, of course, on, uh, look for our websites. And then on social media, Facebook, Twitter, or X, and Instagram on Ancestral Health Foundation. You can find us there as well. And I'm always posting. I'm posting videos and and all the things that we're doing. And our book, of course, is found on all any of the online bookstores and um, or but we usually just say Amazon. It's so easy. You can order there. And we have a hardcover, but uh, color, full color. And that to me is the, the one. It's, it's just so 
it's like a coffee book, you know, coffee, you put it on your coffee table. It's just amazing. But um, the cheapest way to go would be to do the Kindle version. I spent so long tweaking it and tweaking it so that everything you click on is um, linkable. So if it, if it says see graph so-and-so, it will take you right to that, gla- that graph and go right back to it. So you don't have to search for things. It's beautiful. It's all full color. We have a paperback that's black and white or color. Don't, I would never say guys, even though it's a little cheaper, not much. The black and white, it, it would be useless because the graphs, you can't see the beauty of the graphs. And so, again, the cheapest way, if you wanted to go the cheapest way, would be the um, the, the digital version. Um, and so that would be the route to find us. And again, it's Christmas time. And what a great gift, the gift of health. And if you want to donate and help us with our research and help to cover the expenses of having testing and things done, um, go to CureAMD and we have a donation page. And um, you can donate there. And we'd greatly appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for the the time and the work and uh, excited to follow along and, and continue on the journey. Uh, just uh, thank you and, and a lot of appreciation. Oh, Logan, thank you. And you're just a godsend. And thanks for all that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Sewing Prosperity. Be sure to follow along across the social media platforms, including YouTube, and be sure to go to sewingprosperity.com.